here is your new knight's king. Here is the man who will lead the others through the wall to attack Westeros. That is him. Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here with a short produced video. That's right. Haven't done one of those lately. As you may have noticed, we've been doing longer read-along live streams, as I call them, where we go over the best chapters of A Song of Ice and Fire, line by line, basically unpack everything all at once. The symbolism, the hearts in conflict, character struggles, theories, and foreshadowing of the future, and of course, my favorite, rear-shadowing. The ever-present mystery of what were Azor High and Nissa Nissa, Knights King and Queen, really up to. I think this read-along format really is the best way to get absolutely the most out of A Song of Ice and Fire to really appreciate all of George's artistry, craftsmanship, and wordplay jokes. And the streams have really been off the hook. Check the comments section in any of those streams, but I'm not here really to recruit you to watch those longer streams. I'm actually here because, you know, I'm aware that not everyone has three and a half hours to watch some of these. So what I've done is I've looked for these nice short little sections where there's a contained idea or theory, and then I'm gonna start chopping them up into short little produced videos where I can add the artwork, you get the idea. So that's what we've got today. Detailed foreshadowing of three things from the chapter where John is forced to slay Corn Halfhand and then goes over to the wildlings. So those three things would be, first of all, the others claiming John's dead body at the wall. Secondly, the idea that the others are going to use John to lead their invasion of Westeros, at least at first. And finally, the most heinous implication of all, the possibility that what the others want to do with Jon's body is not only to lead the invasion, but actually to fill it with the spirit of original Night's King, who we've long suspected to be lurking somewhere in the netherworld, probably in the deep recesses of the Weirwood Net. Now, I've made several videos about this topic of Jon's body being stolen. You can find all those in the Jon Snow playlist. And obviously, there's a longer discussion in the full read-along stream of this chapter, but I've condensed down the coolest finds into this video just for you. And I'll even break in a couple times here with my editor's glasses on to uh, add a couple of things that I missed the first time around and make it even cooler. So cheers, guys, and enjoy. And uh, yeah, this is some pretty cool foreshadowing. So there it is. The main thing that, that you want to look out for is that since the wildlings symbolize the others, John going over to the wildlings is one of the biggest foreshadowings of John, John's body being uh, whited by the others. So I'm not afraid to die. It was only half a lie. It may not be so easy as that, John. <laughs> <laughs> What's harder than, than dying? He did not understand. What do you mean? If we're taken, you must yield. Yield? He blinked in disbelief. The wildlings did not make captives of the men they called crows. They killed them, except for... They only spare oathbreakers, those who join them, like Mance Raider. And you. No. He shook his head. Never. I won't. You will. I commanded of you. Command it? But our honor means no more than our lives, so long as the realm is safe. Are you a man of the night's watch? Yes, but there is no but. 
Jon Snow. You are or you are not. Thanks, Yoda. Yoda half-hand. Jon sat up straight. I am. Then hear me. If we're taken, you will go over to them as the wildling girl you captured once urged you. They may demand that you cut your cloak to ribbons, that you swear them an oath on your father's grave, that you curse your brothers and your lord commander. You must not balk. Whatever is asked of you, do as they bid you. But in your heart, remember who and what you are. Ride with them, eat with them, fight with them, for as long as it takes, and watch. For what? John asked. Would that I knew, said Corn. Your wolves saw their diggings in the valley of the Milkwater. What did they seek in such a bleak and distant place? Did they find it? That is what you must learn before you return to Lord Mormont and your brothers. That is the duty I lay on you, Jon Snow. I'll do as you say, Jon said reluctantly, but you will tell them, won't you? The old bear, at least, you'll, you'll tell them I never broke my oath? Corn Halfhand gazed at him across the fire, his eyes lost in pools of shadow. When I see him next, I swear it, he gestured at the fire. More wood. I want it bright and hot. All right, so Corn is saying that John going over to the wildlings will be harder than dying. And of course, John's body being stolen by the others, John going over to the others, in other words, will indeed be far worse than death, uh, much worse. Now, I noticed that Corn commands John to learn whatever the wildlings secret is, something about the horn of Joraman or the heart of winter. And so we have to wonder, is John going to learn something about the others while he's in their thrall. So assuming he's freed from their bondage at some point, uh, video forthcoming, will John then have the knowledge of how to end the threat of the others for good and all, having sort of seen through their eyes? It's also worth noting that John doesn't want to be in the thrall of the wildlings, meaning the others. He's very concerned about his reputation. You know, what will Westeros think if I lead an invasion of the White Walkers? It might not... Uh, my name could be forever shadowed like Night's King. So you thought the uh, Game of Thrones Danny heel turn was something. Uh, wait till John leads the invasion of the White Walkers into Westeros. He, his reputation will take a hit as well. I don't want it. All right, so this next bit picks up with John and Corrin confronting the wildlings just after they've come out of that cave on the other side of the mountains. And uh, first we'll discuss the Lord of Bones. Ten yards below the cave mouth, the hunters halted. Their leader came on alone, riding a beast that seemed more goat than horse. Riding a goat, riding a horned animal. From the sure-footed way it climbed the uneven slope. As man and mount grew near, John could hear them clattering. Both were armored in bones. Oh, now we should go to this Lord of Bones picture here. So this one is by Stefan Kopinski. You can see bones in the middle, bonesy. And this is uh, Jonathan Burton. And this, so here you can see the horse armored in bone as well. So the point of armoring yourself in bone is that bone is white. And bone is what weirwood bark looks like. So Rattleshirt is the, uh, he's the lead other figure here. He is an other. He's armored in white. And his, he's riding a bone horse. Remember, the others ride dead horses. So the bones imply him as dead, but he's the walking dead. Um, he's riding a dead horse symbolically. 
But also think about this, the Lord of Bones. Who else is a Lord of Bones? Well, the gray king. He sits on a throne of Naga's bones and has a crown of Naga's teeth, and he's in a hall of Naga's ribs and bones. And all that is green seer symbolism because those bones are actually weirwood. And the weirwood white is always bone white. Okay, so a lord of bones is a green seer. Blood Raven is a lord of bones. He's in a cave full of bones. All right, and he himself is half skeleton. So the Lord of Bones rides a bone-white horse. That's also more Odin stuff. Like Odin rides Yggdrasil. The Green Seers ride the bone-white trees, which are like horses. So riding a bone-white horse is like riding the Weirwood. Ten yards below the cave mouth, the hunters halted. Their leader came on alone, riding a beast that seemed... Oh, I just said that. Sorry. Armored in bones. Cow bones, sheep bones, the bones of goats and aurochs and elk. So these are all horned animals, not sheep, but rams are. So cow bones, cows are horned, goats are horned, aurochs horned, elk horned, and the great bones of hairy mammoths and human bones as well. Rattle shirt, corn called down, icy polite. To crows I be the lord of bones. The rider's helm was made from the broken skull of a giant. So remember, I just said the weirwoods are pale giants frozen in time. So it's literally a pale bone giant face. That's a weirwood face. And all up and down his arms, bear claws had been sewn to boiled leather. So think the trees have bear branches. A dead tree has bear branches. So his arm branches have bear claws. Corn snorted. I see no lord, only a dog dressed in chicken bones who rattles when he rides. The wildling hissed in anger and his mount reared. He did rattle, John. He could hear it. The bones were strung together loosely, so they clanked and clattered when he moved. It's your bones I'll be rattling soon, half-hand. I'll boil the flesh off you and make a burny from your ribs. I'll carve your teeth to cast me runes and eat me out and porridge from your skull. If you want my bones, come and get them. All right, guys, it's, uh, it's me again, Editor LML. Isn't this fun? Are we having fun? Anyway, a couple of things I missed... In terms of Rattleshirt's uh, bear claws on his arms, I noticed that the dead tree that appears at the beginning of the chapter is literally described as having bear branches, and that John breaks off those bear branches to make that bonfire, which is full of symbolism of John's resurrection. And we're actually going to talk about that in another breakout video in a couple days, so stay tuned for that. But the point is, the chapter opens with a very prominent dead tree with bare branches that seems to be symbolizing a weirwood. And then we meet Rattleshirt, who is like a walking dead weirwood tree with bear claw bones on his arm branches, if you will. And of course, walking dead weirwood trees is essentially what the others are, spirits driven out of the weirwoods, uh, according to theory, at least. In fact, the others in general are all kind of lords of bones, since the others raise the dead and use them as their army. Rattleshirt collecting the bones of those he kills and then carrying them around with him mirrors the others collecting the dead and then leading them around behind them. All right, so now we're about to read Corn Halfhand's death scene, and I'm going to show you that it parallels and foreshadows John's death scene at the end of A Dance with Dragons. As I talk about Corn's death having weirwood symbolism, quote-unquote, think about John's death. 
John's spirit is very likely to be preserved inside of Ghost, his weirwood colored wolf. Now, I also suspect that Bran and or Bloodraven's weirwood magic will need to be a part of setting John's body free from enchantment and getting his spirit back into said body. So that's why the weirwood death symbolism of Corrin is important here. It tells us that John's death and resurrection is gonna have to do with weirwood magic, the weirwood net, and all that stuff. Okay, so this next passage begins with the wildlings telling John and Corrin about how they killed their fellow ranger, Eben, whose bald head, one of the spearwives, is dangling by the ear. There's no hair to hold it by, so you gotta dangle it by the ear, you understand. He died brave, she said. But he died, said Rattleshirt, same like you. He freed his battle axe, brandishing it above his head. The other wildlings crowded forward beside him, yelling taunts. The other wildlings, guys. And there's 14. So, I tend to think 14 is, a, is still a Night Fort reference, but it's like the last heroes group plus one more also. Night King, don't forget, Night King, 13th Lord Commander, supposedly, and reigned for 13 years. So 13 is a Night's King number, but he's reigning at the Fortnite, or at the Night Fort. So Fortnite is 14. 14 days, two weeks. 12 others, the leader and his wife. Yeah, maybe that's the 14, Kimberly. That kind of makes sense. If Night King is 13th man and he has 12 others, then yeah, the Night's Queen would be the 14th. And we do have women in this party here. Whether you want to talk about your grit or the spear wife brandishing a tit or um, the one that rode up next to, uh, to Lord of Bones there, probably the first one. The bird hates you, Jon Snow, said your grit. And well, he might. He was a man before you killed him. I did not know, said John truthfully, trying to remember the face of the man he had slain in the pass. You told me Mance would take me. And he will, Ygritte said. Mance is not here, said Rattleshirt. Ragwile, gut him. The big spearwife narrowed her eyes and said, If the crow would join the free folk, let him show us his prowess and prove the truth of him. I'll do whatever you ask. The words came hard, but John said them. Rattleshirt's bone armor clattered loudly as he laughed. Then kill the half-hand bastard. As if he could, said Corin. Turn, Snow, and die. That's symbolic language. John is turning his cloak, and he is symbolically dying. Remember, we just had the death symbolism of him going through the waterfall where it stopped his breath, and him joining the wildlings, I, I'm saying, and I'm beginning to prove it now, this is John's body being stolen by the others. So turn snow and die. He is turning against the Night's Watch. That's what's going to happen when the others steal his body. They're going to use him to lead the attack of Westeros. That's what we're building towards, guys. Like, I made a bunch of videos about it because it's pretty freaking nuts. This is what's gonna friggin' happen. Here is your new Knight's King. Here is the man who will lead the others through the wall to attack Westeros. That is him. Jack Frost, Jon Snow. Jon being Jack, Snow being Frost. He's the King of Winter. The real King of Winter, that's him. So his spirit will be in his wolf. 
staying warm. Remember the wolf? John loves the warmth that comes off a ghost. Every time he's around, he's like, oh, it's so warm. Keeping me warm. Love that. Love that. So John's spirit kept warm inside his werewolf. But the body, <laughs> that's him. That's him. This, this, this is the man. <laughs> so turn snow and die. Okay. And then Corrin's sword was coming at him and somehow Longclaw leapt upward to block. The force of impact almost knocked the bastard blade from John's hand and sent him staggering backward. Staggering backward. So he's a, he's a backwards stag man. And John as a skin changer is a stag man in that he's, he's using the green magic of the weirwood. So he, he doesn't have antlers, but all the skin changers are green men in that, in that sense. So he's staggering backwards. Um, and that staggering word, I'm not reaching. He, G George uses it always to mean stag men. It's very consistent. So staggering backward, you must not balk whatever is asked of you. He shifted to a two-handed grip, quick enough to deliver a stroke of his own, but the big ranger brushed it aside with contemptuous ease. The other's parry was almost lazy. Back and forth they went, black cloaks swirling, the youth's quickness against the savage strength of Corn's left-hand cuts. The half-hand's long sword seemed to be everywhere at once, raining down from one side and then the other, driving him where he would, keeping him off balance. Already he could feel his arms growing numb. Even when Ghost's teeth closed savagely around the ranger's calf, somehow Corn kept his feet. But in that instant, as he twisted, the opening was there. John planted and pivoted. <laughs> John planted and pivoted. So he's turning again and planting himself like a tree, like a green man. So he's staggering, he's planting, staggering backwards, planting and pivoting. The ranger was leaning away, and for an instant it seemed that John's slash had not touched him. Then a string of red tears appeared across the big man's throat, bright as a ruby necklace, and the blood gushed out of him, and Corrin Halfhand fell. So this is another foreshadowing. Lots is going on here. Okay, so first of all, the red smile of a weirwood death. Literally, you know, a string of red tears. So it's the it gives a lot of weirwood symbolism. It's the red smile, but it's also the bleeding, the blood that comes from the weirwood eyes because it's red tears. It's a weirwood death symbol. That's all it is. The blood gushed out of him. Also, this is how John dies. He gets cut by Wick Whittlestick across the throat and he doesn't feel it because we don't, you don't have many nerve endings in the front of your neck, which is why it's sort of a humane way to like um, kill, slaughter animals across the front of the throat. They don't... That's, it's the least painful and quickest way uh, to execute somebody, I guess. I don't know. I don't slaughter animals or people, but that's the point. So John gets cut by Wick Whittlestick's knife, and he puts his hand, and it says the blood wells between his fingers. So if it's welling up, that means it's, like, coming fast between his fingers. Like, if you if you put your blood, hand to a wound, it's the blood is welling up through the fingers. Like, that's a lot of blood. So this is how we know that John is dead. Some people like to say oh, he's not actually dead. He's definitely fucking dead. He, that's a jugular wound. That's the only explanation for the description of blood welling between his fingers after being cut across the neck. That's a jugular wound. You don't feel it very much. So John didn't think that he was cut. He was like, ah, oh, what happened? He's confused. And he fights on for a second, but then he loses feeling and he keels over.
So that's what happens with Corin. John didn't think he cut him. He barely got him. But then he keels over. Okay. And it says, Ghost's muzzle was dripping red. So the weirwood wolf literally has the bloody mouth now. So this is the other part of Corin's weirwood sacrifice, right? Not only is he given the stigmata, he's bitten by the wolf that is the color of a weirwood. So he's literally being fed to a weirwolf, just as the sacrifices are fed to the weirwood. And the green seer, like Bran, can taste the blood. So Ghost has the bloody mouth of a weirwood tree. And it says, but only the point of the bastard blade was stained, the last half inch. So that just shows you only a half inch of sword. That's like this much. Killed Corrin. Why? Because it wicked him across the jugular. Just as Wick Whittlestick nicked John on the jugular and the blood started welling up. You only just need to just to cut it open and that's it. Okay. Necks are very vulnerable. So this is like George foreshadowing John's death, like in so many ways in this chapter, as well as his resurrection, as well as his going to, over to the others. It's all here. I just love this stuff. Um, let's go back up. And this is by Daniel Bernal Imaginante. This one is by H. Lazarus. This is Jon Snow as the Night King. Kid Harrington, Jon Snow, obviously. Um, let's see. John pulled the direwolf away and knelt with one arm around him. The light was already fading in Corrin's eyes. Sharp, he said, lifting his maimed fingers. Then his hand fell, and he was gone. He knew, he thought numbly. He knew what they would ask of me. He thought of Samuel Tarley then, of Gren and Dolorised and Pip and Toad back at Castle Black. Had he lost them all, as he had lost Bran and Rickon and Rob? Who was he now? What was he? Get him up! Rough hands dragged him to his feet. John did not resist. Do you have a name? Ygritte answered for him. His name is John Snow. He is Eddard Stark's blood of Winterfell. Ragwile laughed. Who would have thought it? Corn half-hand, slain by some lordling's by-blow. Gut him. That was Rattleshirt, still a horse. The eagle flew to him, perched atop his bony helm, screaming. Shout out to Yggdrasil and the eagle that perches at the top of the tree, by the way. He yielded, Ygritte reminded them. I and slew his brother, said a short, homely man in a rust-eaten iron half-helm. Rattleshirt rode closer, bones clattering. The wolf did his work for him. It were foully done. The half-hand's death was mine. We all saw how eager you were to take it, mocked Ragwile. He is a warg, said the Lord of Bones, and a crow. I like him not. A warg he may be, Ygrit said, but that's never frightened us. Others shouted agreement. The others are like, yeah, we like this John War guy, yeah, yeah. Behind the eye holes of his yellowed skull, Rattleshirt's stare was malignant, but he yielded grudgingly. These are free folk indeed, thought John. Then it says, here's, the, here's a continuation of half-hand foreshadowing John, basically. You know, he died the same way as John, with the neck wound. Then it says, they burned corn half-hand where he'd fallen, on a pyre made of pine needles, brush, and broken branches. And remember, John was breaking all the branches when he was putting them in the fire when it says the tree had been dead a long time but seemed to live again. So, again, broken branches. Some of the wood was still green. 
and it burns slow and smoky, sending a black plume up into the bright, hard blue of the sky. So there's our smoke plume, our mushroom cloud. Afterward, Rattleshirt claimed some charred bones, while the others threw dice for the ranger's gear. Ygritte won his cloak. So Ygritte wearing the cloak is important because that's Nissa Nissa. So taking this black cloak, that's like the moon turning dark, Nissa Nissa going in the weirwood net, or just, yeah, dying, essentially. Oh, Ygritte wearing the black cloak. Ah, Westerosi wedding traditions. Thank you, Juniper Jenny. That, duh. I just said corn half-hand has been foreshadowing John this whole time, and then Ygritte took his cloak. Duh. Yes. So that's foreshadowing the them being, you know, because when John stole Ygritte, that's, that's a, that married them in wildling culture. So, nice find. Thank you. Will we return by the Skirling Pass? John asked her. He did not know if he could face those heights again or if his garen could survive a second crossing. No, she said. There's nothing behind us. The look she gave him was sad. By now, Mance is well down the milk water, marching on your wall. Oh, and that's the chapter. So as you can see, when John joins the wildlings, that's when all the others double entendres come. You know, the others applauded. The others diced for the bones. John is joining the others. And notice that he's joining these wildling others as they're about to attack the wall. That's the end of the chapter. They're like, oh no, we're not going back. We're marching on the wall. Dun, dun, dun. So it's like, what is John going to do when the others steal his body? They're going to, he's going to, they're going to march on the wall. Simple as that. Simple as that. That's what wildlings do. They march on the wall. And this is by Jose Daniel Cabrera. This is from the World of Ice and Fire. You might recognize it. So a great companion chapter to this, and maybe we'll read this next, is the one where John lets the wildlings through the wall. Here's your bird butt quotient, by the way. This is the other important foreshadowing of what John's going to do when he gets otherized, is he lets the wildlings through the wall. And while he's doing that, they're referred to as the others over seven times, and they're given descriptions that match the others, like not breaking the snow. All right, so that was a fun read. Very dramatic. Hope you enjoyed my Lord of Bones voice. Uh, in any case, the Lord of Bones does indeed collect Corn's bones. I don't know if he makes it into a Bernie, but he does collect them. And of course, if Corn represents John, then this is yet another way that George is showing us that the others will come and collect John's body after he's cut across the throat, like Corn was. And after his spirit, like I said, is swallowed by John's wolf and safely protected. Furthermore, the fact that the Lord of Bones literally wears the bones of those he slays, and of course talks about making a Bernie, a chest piece, if you will, from Corn's ribs, well, this suggests that the others not only want to steal John's body, but to use it as some sort of skin suit, meaning they might want to fill John's body with the spirit of the original Night's King, who, again, I strongly suspect is lurking somewhere in the Weirwood Net, waiting to be reborn. And if you check out those uh, Cat and Sansa reread chapters that we did recently at the Eerie, you'll see that I think that is the point of those Weirwood Thrones, the dead Weirwood Thrones, being in the Eerie. The Eerie parallels the Heart of Winter, and when you go to the Heart of the Eerie, you find the dead Weirwood Thrones and the Moon Door 
which is used to execute people. So all those dead weirwood ideas, lots of other symbolism. There's got to be green seer stuff in the heart of winter. That's the idea. And that really all has to do with original Night's King being some sort of green seer, or like I said, his spirit being trapped in the weirwood net, like in Aluki from Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn, Shadow, Grey area. So if something like this turns out to be true, then we could say that the spirit of Night's King wants to wear John's body like a cloak, like a frozen skin suit. Yikes, folks. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget the Lord of Bones also later wears the body of another Night's Watchman, kind of, when he is cloaked in the illusory body of Mance Raider at his death, when he's burned in that weirwood cage over the fake Horn of Jorman. That's, that's a great one. And by the way, we just did a read-along of that chapter a couple of days ago. It's A Dance with Dragons, John 3. And you can find all these read-along chapters in a chapter Hall of Fame playlist. And by the way, that chapter also contains a hint about what needs to be done to free John's body from enchantment, since the Lord of Bones was burned in a weirwood cage. So in other words, we'll need fire, relorist magic, and weirwood weird magic, in order to restore old Johnny Boy to good health. And now I'm, I'm kidding, he's, he's going to be a zombie. It's probably going to be kind of ugly. <sighs> anyway, for more on John's resurrection, meaning his freeing from white enchantment and his restoration to, well, the creation of an ice and fire zombie, John, watch out for the next video in a couple days. Got more detailed foreshadowing, this time about John's pyre. It's going to mirror Drogo's pyre with Melisandre playing the role of Danny and walking into the pyre. It's all very exciting. So check that out. And lastly, I'll just say, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Double check. YouTube messes with that. Click the bell. Make sure it's set to all notifications so you don't miss any live streams or videos. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting. I'll see you soon.